Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Athletic Football Show. Athletic Football Show. I'm Robert Mays. Joining me tonight is my good friend Nate Tice. Nate, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing well. We're here. Week We're 18. We're here. Week 18. A we bow did it. on it. No more. No more you having to list off what happens with playoff situations with wins and losses anymore. <laughs> we don't have to. We don't have to figure our way throughout. I think that's been a highlight for me the past month is me and you on air. Just both go sorting through playoff situations, going, ooh, they have to play the Patriots too at home. Like that's been a really fun part of my my life the last six weeks. Last night I, I went to went out to watch the Chiefs Raiders game in the first half just because I didn't want to be locked in my basement for seven hours yesterday and then all day today. So like I'm just gonna go out and watch the game somewhere. And I was sitting at a bar in Logan Square here by my house and we were talking about something. And they're like, if the Jags lose, are they out? And I was like, oh, no, actually, they can get the wild card if this, this, and this happen. No. And it took about like 10 minutes into the conversation. But like, they were like, why do you know all this? Just like, yeah, because <laughs> so, I, I, I do. <laughs> it was deep in my brain for the last couple of weeks here. And listen, all those scenarios, all yep. of those possible permutations, week 18 did not disappoint. We got a really not. exciting day that started last night. I mean, the Titans-Jags game was great. Everything you'd want from a potential play-in game, the Titans giving their all. We're going to talk about that game in a bit. Obviously, some of the teams that needed help, like Seattle, got it. Other teams that needed help, like the Steelers, didn't get as much as they were looking for. So there's a lot to dig into right now. But let's start with the game that we just watched. That's a brutal, brutal loss for the Packers, man. That really was. Do you want to... like? reverse engineer this like memento by going with like the fourth down play <laughs> so the, I think the fourth down play is, is where we start because it's yeah. an unbelievable it was the third down play it's yeah. an unbelievably ballsy call so yeah. they're driving a couple big decisions on that in that stretch yeah. to not accept the penalty and get one more play how about that was a nice little move by Dan Campbell there in the Lions uh-huh. coaching staff. Which I thought Vrabel was smart. and Dan Campbell, the former, like, you know, just like not the players you expect. The meathead just... brainiacs. I absolutely love it from I both of it. them. They're, so they're... that happens. <laughs> but then they get a holding call. So it goes yep. back to seven and second and 17. Mm-hmm. And on second down, their get right play on that second and 17 is a hook and lateral on, on the, in the biggest it. moment of the game and the biggest moment of the season. They're playing like they got nothing to lose. And yeah. I really appreciate that. Yeah. I was waiting for so many more just fakes and, and onside kicks. There's a, uh, there's enough today where we're from other teams, but I was expecting even more of that. But no, the hook and lateral was – that was so funny because you could just see it coming. Like I was like, why is St. Brown kind of shifted? Oh, that's why because he's two-hand shove pass in this like a basketball lateral. So that was a basketball pass, like two-hand chest pass. So that, that was like – I've seen that play before and actually from – Matt LaFleur, 
Like when he didn't they run that against the Rams or the Rams ran it against him in the red zone, like in the playoffs a few years ago? It That's possible. I don't remember. I was yeah, at that yeah. game. I don't know why I don't remember that. But yeah, so there, there, I've seen that play before at Lambeau. So kind of laugh, I laughed at it. I was like, hey, I've seen this in this situation. Like maybe not that tight of a situation, but down at this part of the field. So it's kind of funny to see that again. But then the fourth I down goal. I want to see more of those. By the way, the Titans one yesterday was. Well, that, that one was a little bit you know, out yeah. there, but those plays on third and forever, especially yeah. when you're in no man's land. Yep. I mean, obviously, this is a different situation for the Lions. It doesn't matter if they lose the game. They could do anything that they want to. But even in normal down and distance situations, when it's like third and 17 and you need to get yep. back on track and you're in that no man's land, those pitch plays, I think we should see a few more of them so- every year than we do. Teams were starting to do it against picket fence defenses, just like what you're talking about, third and extra long. And then like when, when they have like seven guys at the sticks, uh, yeah. just rallying the tackle. That's where – and now teams have started to tweak it more and more. You see about – yeah, I agree with you. You see it about four, five, six times a year. I think you're going to see it maybe even more than that because even the one uh, that the Titans ran, which was just Burks – it was planned, but Burks went haywire on it. Yeah, like <laughs> – you gotta rip the eject button on that play. What's, what's that? What's your point, yeah, you gotta know. I know you have gigantic. He like hook shot of that. And like actually, I can't believe right. he got it there. I the, the fact that he either. got it all the way there was wild. I could. It, it, I thought it was gonna be one of those. You know, when guys get spun, especially when you get like smaller quarterbacks, the ball just floats up in the air. It actually had like a, a like a nice arc to it. Like it was actually like it, he hit a, a double to the gap kind of like th- kind of throw on that. But yeah, no, you, you'll see it a little more. I agree with you. I think you'll see it if, some of those more. Ad, not ad-lib plays, but extended plays, like planned extended plays. Like we're even seeing with protections where it's kind of the planned break contain. We're mm-hmm. starting to see that a little bit more with offensive line. So I see maybe those like planned extended plays are going to get crop in a little bit more. And then that fourth and one, obviously to win the game. Not awesome. going empty there and throwing it is another just ballsy but choice. 12 jumbo. Yeah. So they showed like a big run look and then went empty. I couldn't believe they went empty because I, I, you got to give some run threat a little bit. That was my and thought they, as well, but it and worked they went out empty well. earlier. Uh, the, the quick out to DJ Chark, uh, on the conversion they had, the, the third down, I think it was third and short. It was third down. They sent yeah. Raymond in a little, little quick motion there and then it was a little, cause I saw that was empty. I was like, Oh, we got to give a little bit of threat to run, but worked out well. And they ran stick, which is hilarious. It's that Gordon Ramsay meme again where it's like, Joe Lombardi runs stick, you know, just like, oh, you idiot, you idiot, what are you doing? And then it's like, you know, Ben Johnson runs in. It's like, oh, you sweetheart, that's so awesome. But they they would address it. They went on the cheat account, which is when the center, as soon as he grabs the ball, he snaps it, as opposed to even ready go. So, and then you have a backup linebacker in there because of the Quay Walker incident. And so that, you know, it was a little compounded thing that ended up in a big situation that won the game for the Lions. Where do you want to start with Packers disappointment? It, it, the weekend, the Quay oh. Walker thing is in there. I would yeah. say inability to stop the run yeah. again in a huge moment. The numbers aren't staggering. The nope. Lions averaged like a little over four yards a carry, but they had like a 46% success rate. They ran the ball consistently throughout the entire game, and they had like 0.14 EPA per rush, which is very, very good. And it was one of the best rates of the entire week, far, far above what the league average would be over the course of the season. So even though they weren't ripping off you know, yeah. huge gains left and right. They ran the ball consistently in a way that they needed to in this game. It, they avoided negative plays, it felt like. Yes. Say where the Packers didn't get those explosive plays for a defense, which is TFLs and all those types of things. So that's uh, this Lions offense because, you know, they do smatter in some play action and some nakeds and, and some screen game that they never kind of felt like off schedule. Like, so the Lions never felt like tight. Like with their offense, they were able to kind of get to what they wanted to because they had a lot of manageable situations. And when they didn't, they're running freaking pitch plays on second and second and forever. And then they had the one shot play. 
I mean, yep. you're running the ball consistently, and then With you not set Jameson up that Williams. one shot play. Cleve <laughs> Raymond's awesome. a pretty good guy to run He's a that, great though. shot play guy. Yes, yes, I know. So, they have so I love that. that they do. were in, I think it was 12 person, or 21 personnel on the play. They had a tight end in the game, or a fullback in the game. So it was heavy, early down, and the Packers were not in base personnel, but they were, just, they had, it was a heavy box. Yeah, they were in yeah. sing, a single high box. defense, yep, yep. and so Raymond was the number two receiver running straight three. at the post safety. They're in cover yep. three, and the tight end of that side, I believe it was Brock Wright, locked down the corner, so all Raymond had was all that space. It was awesome. You see that play a lot in the Shanahan offense, but it's from the number one receiver running mm-hmm. that to the corner back to the post, so it was a little bit of a tweak on something we've seen a lot against the Packers. Remember George Kittle had that touchdown on Sunday yeah. Night Football a few years ago and a similar idea, so... They hit that for like their one big explosive pass play. I don't think that the Lions had another completion over like 15 yards in this game. Didn't feel like it. <laughs> so it felt, it felt like a lot of uh, uh, throws at guys' feet, uh, <laughs> like eight yeah, yards. They did throws not at move guys. the ball consistently. Go- Goff had the gloves on. So I, as a former quarterback, I did not like throwing with gloves. It's a personal preference thing. The gloves have gotten better as far as throwing. Um, but I think his thing is because his, his motion so over the top. That the ball, when a proper spiral off your hand, you throw it down like a dart. Not that everyone throws darts, but okay. But your finger, your pointer finger is going to be pushed, pointed down at the end of when you're throwing. And I think the glove was sticking to his pointer finger. And so the ball just kept nose diving on him. I just think his throwing style does not conducive to using gloves. That's just a theory. I have no idea, but uh, I just, that it was, it was too, it happened too often for it not to be like one thing that's making this happen. We're talking about their inability to move the ball consistently, their quarterback not being able to throw with the glove on, and they still won this game uh, yeah. because of the Packers' inconsistency on offense. I, I yep. think that the third down numbers, at one point, they were like third of 14, and you can come up with every example of oh, yeah. their, them faltering on third down. Multiple Aiden Hutchinson sacks, one that was the result of a, a chip by the right guard. The help mm-hmm. actually screwed up the play. Ruined the, yeah, the help ruined. <laughs> and then you have some just miscues on third down that – the performative go ball interception to Kirby Joseph, of which there could have been another if it wasn't yes. erased by penalty. So the Packers offense just, again, did not make enough plays in the passing game when they needed to. And then you combine that with a missed field goal, a fumble, yep. wall driving. I mean, just miscues enough of them to keep Green Bay out of the playoffs. It, it, it's it's a playing game essentially, even if the Lions had nothing to play for, and that's what it felt like those those five mistakes. You know, that's what it is. These tight, tight games. That's what it comes down to, and a couple big plays. That's why the Lions just need that one explosive play to kind of knock the top off because they're kind of shooting jabs the whole game, and keeping up their own defense as well. Um, but yeah, the performative deep ball showed up a couple times <laughs> in this game, and that's what Rodgers has been doing in this, especially in the second half of the year. He's kind of always done this, but he had this guy named Devontae Adams, so it worked even better. Was man coverage or blitz, man blitz? Yeah, I'm launching up go balls and slot fades, and I'm just going to punish you. And that's what it felt like he again got to. Oh, I got man coverage. I'm taking it. And that's what the last interception was. Pressure. I'm going to take this. It's not like a bad answer. It's just, you know, it's hard to sustain when you maybe have some inconsistent receivers doing it or maybe not overly dominant receivers. So that's what it just has felt like this whole year. And sure enough, it showed up twice. One got called back, but one actually happened at the end of the game. So a couple moments there afterwards, I think Jamal Williams asked for Rodgers' jersey or someone did. He said no. He wanted to keep it. I don't know what that means. What that means. I'm sure it might mean nothing. It might mean he just didn't mm-hmm. want to take off his jersey and he was walking off the field with Randall Cobb. Yeah, but yeah. he was walking off the field with Randall Cobb in a very contemplative sort of way. They were like had their arms around each other walking through the tunnel and you know looking up at the stands and 
I'm sure huh. he was enjoying that moment to a certain extent, but at the same time, it's hard not to look at that and start pondering or asking questions about what happens now because that's what happens playing. now. Was a simple minds playing? Like, don't you forget about me? As <laughs> walked off. That's kind of what it was. I expected the fist to go up when he was walking off the tunnel, but that's where <laughs> well, we are. Uh, I mean, it, it's going to be another is. off season of this. What's going to happen? Is he coming back? Is he not coming back? And. You know, this team looked like they could potentially be dangerous in the playoffs mm-hmm. based on the way that they were playing. But when you give yourself this little margin for error and you're playing yep. against a team that is pretty good and has been pretty good all year, was also on the doorstep of the playoffs, this is what can happen when you leave it down to one game. And this mm-hmm. is what happened. Yeah. And we've talked about this whole year how NFC, there's like, wh- who are the contenders in the NFC? The other kind of side effect is that there's a lot of teams in the middle. And that's in any given Sunday type of situation is if you aren't having the bounces bounce your way, you're not playing consistently, anyone can knock you off. And that's what that it's a a lot of flawed teams, good and bad, where it's like, oh, we can work on this. Or it's like, ooh, this is really getting exposed in these situations. And that's what happens. It comes down to one game, essentially a play-in game against a team that you're more or less evenly matched with. And it comes down to a couple of plays and now you're not in the playoffs. I know, I know another offseason way and we already have Rogers is like trade and dead cap already down pat. Like <laughs> already have those articles already did those episodes. It's kind of all right. Well, we already did our homework for this offseason. We're ready to go because this is year three of this. It feels like <laughs> big questions for the Packers. I think beyond the Packer, beyond the Rogers thing, their defense played better in the mm-hmm. second half of the year and down the stretch. But it was still a pretty disappointing season from their from them defensively overall when you consider the amount of resources pumped into that side of the ball. They were up there in cash spending on defense with the extensions that they gave out, whether it's the Campbell, Jair, you know, Kenny Clark's on a huge deal. Preston Smith is an expensive player. Adrian Amos is an expensive player. They have a lot of guys that they've committed to on that side of the ball. Plus you can rattle off the number one picks and the amount of draft capital that they've spent on that side. And I think that they expected or probably expected to be an elite defense this year. And that's not what ended up happening. So them figuring out what the formula is going to have to be with Rodgers, without Rodgers, based on how this roster has built, I think ultimately could lead to some changes on that side of the ball. The rumblings were there all year. Maybe they died down a little bit based Mm -hmm. on how the last month of the season went. But I think this ending may turn up the volume on those a little bit more again. Right. Uh, like Just like a playoff exit's changed probably how they felt going to the past few off seasons. That's just not making the playoffs at all. It's going to probably change everybody's mood. So, I, I And the thing with the defense is the defense had moments of playing pretty well and fine, a lot of fineness with this defense. But that's the thing. Like you said, there was a lot of resources spent. And we knew this 2022 Packers was going to be more of a balanced team with a defense that will carry them to a lot of victories. And it kind of just just like happened tonight just not didn't feel those explosive plays happening for their defense and that's that's an issue if you're going to be that's supposed to be a strength of your team a team that benefits from the Packers blowing that game is the Seattle Seahawks that come away with a win that was a little too close for comfort against this version of the Rams I would say but listen all that matters is they won and they're in so now we get Seahawks Niners I believe according to Beller here that is going to be the 4.30 game on Saturday, the yep. East, the early game. Look at the Jags and Chargers. Look at look at our boys all grown up getting the that. night slot. On the, that felt like the most sa- early Saturday wildcard weekend game ever. Jags, Chargers, 4-5 seed. But it listen, really they, getting the primetime treatment. 
I don't know if they know that you can play playoff games on Sundays. Like they, they're like, oh, this is it. This is all we've ever gotten. No, but uh, even that. I mean, shoot, though, Jags are going from Saturday night to Saturday night because even that game felt like kind of had that playoff atmosphere. It did, in, it absolutely. In Jacksonville, did. I know. So it's kind of like you know they got they had a nice little test run to prime their pumps for this. But man, how far we've come! It feels like. A lot has happened and nothing has changed from the last time the Jaguars and the and the Chargers played, whatever week that was in the first it's month of the three, season. I think. Week three, right? Yeah. Oh my God. And here we are, week one. If you told us in the wild card round, hey, both of these teams be playing each other, be like, yeah, 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 I could see that. But there's a lot of moments where <laughs> it sure didn't feel that way. <laughs> An ugly win from Seattle. I mean, I think yeah. that if I had to stack up the moments that you know jumped out to me the most, Gino made a bunch of plays with his legs in high leverage spots in this game. And beyond four four. the scramble to put them in position to kick the game winning field goal, which we could talk about whether that penalty was real or not, that play <laughs> just charge. to extend it outside the pocket. He did that multiple times today, yep. including on a field goal drive for them. So his ability to extend was a huge part of the way they moved the ball on offense. The Quadre Diggs interception, which again, probably should have resulted in a taunting penalty, was a fantastic play. I mean, for him to get to that ball and to hang on to that ball is an unbelievable play from a center field safety. And then the one rifle shot from Gino to lock it. Gino had a pick, bad pick in this game to Jalen Ramsey. He had a dropped pick six that should have gone the other way. But he comes back and he's had as many of those like holy shit throws as anyone in the league probably not named Josh Allen this year. And that was another example. And again, in, in totality, it is enough to get them to the playoffs. Yeah. Which is far, far cry from where I think even the optimists about the Seahawks thought they would be starting. I mean, how many rookies they're relying on. Charles Cross had a fantastic game today. I'm I'm excited to watch him at the end of the year. Um, The fourth and one block, he had a pancake on Leonard Floyd on a pass set, which was pretty cool. Leonard Floyd kind of like half jumped. And Charles Cross was like, okay, buried him, which was kind of funny. Held his own all day. But the dropped interception was a wonky play. Like that was because he caught it, like looked back and like just, yeah, that was just like, I think it might have hit his knee or he had trouble corralling it. But man, just get the interception first before you're checking around. Yeah. (laughs) Just suck it away and then, and then move on from that. But man, that locket touchdown was a beauty. Like you just brought up the over and post combo. Gino, Gino can whip in those posts and digs. Like he will stand in there. The scrambling hit four scrambles today. I'm glad you brought that up. Um, all four were successful plays for the Seahawks, including the 25-yard gain with the penalty afterwards. Um, and then, the, yeah, the Diggs interception was hilarious. Um, I don't know. Uh, it's also another reminder that Jalen Ramsey is a really good football player who was playing extremely competitive today. I think going against DK Metcalf really gets him going yeah, a little bit. the most out of him, yeah. Yeah, but um, this was the best the Seahawks pass rushes looked. Uh, I'm sure going against the Rams offensive line has a little to do with that. And Baker. I mean, and Baker. Oh, my God, man. Baker's habits are just so brutal. There, he wasn't wearing a visor today, and he just looked very human. You know, like he's just like the, it's just he, just a guy it, out there. It's just a guy out there, exactly. Without the visor, it's like, mm, and he's wearing not wearing number six anymore. So it's kind of like all that kind of magic, that luster, kind of fell off. But ten QB hits for the Seahawks today and five sacks. So better than not having ten QB hits and five sacks going to the playoffs. And they need it. They need a little juice with their pass rush. Yeah, I, I think that the big plays they can make in the passing game is the upside for them in the playoffs. And it's yeah. the reason that they could potentially give the Niners a problem just because you, you yeah. do have that. I mean, you have that Geno ability to kind of hit those potential three or four, just Holy shit throws that he's done this year. Their the offense is absolutely it... tailed off, but oh, yeah. that, that is obviously, you know, that is still in there for them. 
and the Niners make you do that. They make you make the holy shit throws. And it's like, all right, it's nice to have a quarterback that's willing to do it. But, you know, again, it's better to have that than maybe not having that with a check down factory, which is what the 49ers want you to be against them. All right. So the playoff field is set now. Hell AFC yeah. Chiefs get the bye. The Chiefs Bills AFC championship game would be on a neutral field, which we all kind of assumed would happen. Bengals are the three seed. Jags at four. Chargers are the five, which we will get into. They were always going to be the five. The Ravens are the six, and the Dolphins get the seven. So we'll talk about that game in a little bit. Bills at Dolphins is a Sunday 1 p.m. Eastern kickoff. Bills are 10-point favorites against Miami. We'll see who plays quarterback for the Dolphins. Mm-hmm. Bengals are six-point favorites against the Ravens on Sunday night. Jags against the Chargers, hosting the Chargers. The Chargers are two-and-a-half-point favorites in Jacksonville. And that's the Saturday night game. Go to the NFC. The Eagles sew up. Top seed in the NFC. Get the first round by. Niners take care of business. They're the two. Vikings three. Bucks are the four. Cowboys five, like we always knew. Giants six. So those five are pretty much what they were coming into the weekend. And then Seattle grabs the seven seed. The Vikings are, excuse me, the Niners are nine and a half point favorites against the Seahawks on Saturday afternoon. The Vikings are only a field goal favorite against the Giants on Sunday at 430. And then the Cowboys are three-point favorites at the Bucks okay. Monday. I forgot about Monday. Monday yeah, night in Tampa, we get Dak Prescott against Tam- against Tom Brady. That's where we I, are. I forgot about the Monday game, too, until it flashed across my screen this week when they started doing the scheduling. I was like, oh, that's right. Because last year it was um, Cardinals-Rams. Cardinals. Yeah. And that was a massacre after the first quarter. So I think I just blocked that game out of my brain completely. What a divisional matchups which is fun like yeah it'll be nice to round. be able to go rewatch those and have some something to work off of because that's always interesting when you see those teams play for the third time so absolutely and then i mean i think every every game in the playoffs this weekend is a rematch i was the wondering Bill- that as well yes every single one is bills play the dolphins obviously in a divisional yep. Bengals ravens division chargers jags this week three a lot has changed but they've still yeah. played each other this year Niners Seahawks have played each other. Vikings mm-hmm. Giants, it's only been a couple weeks. And Bucks Cowboys mm-hmm. was a season opener. So all of these teams have played each other at some point in the season, even if a couple of them are early season matchups. That's great for me. Yeah. <laughs> it really helps the homework out for our Thursday show. So no complaints. But man, some awesome matchups. I'm excited. I'm really, really excited for some of these. Games. We got a lot of time to talk about them <laughs> over the next week or so. We're going to take a quick break and then talk about what happened this weekend before we get ahead of ourselves. Selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. For their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify magic. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S., and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash maze, all lowercase. 
Go to shopify.com slash maze now to grow your business, no matter which stage you're in. Shopify.com slash maze. Building a portfolio with Fidelity Basket Portfolios is kind of like making a sandwich. It's as simple as picking your stocks and ETFs, sort of like your meats and other topics, and managing it as one big juicy investment. Mmm, now that's pretty good. Learn more at fidelity.com slash baskets. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSC SIPC. Gentlemen, you have my curiosity, but now you have my attention. All right. I know it wasn't the prettiest game from them, but the Jags still went from having the number one pick in the draft to winning the AFC South and making the playoffs, which is a pretty excellent turnaround. So Jacksonville Jaguars, you have my attention. It's a great story, and they made enough plays on Saturday. I mean, a couple different things that I think stood out. They stopped the run when they needed to. Mm -hmm. And I think that was a huge part of what stood out, especially in the second half. The Titans had a 28.2% rushing success rate on the game. League average for the season is like 40%. Yeah. Negative 0.21 EPA per rush. Both of those would rank dead last in the NFL over the course of the season. And they loaded the box. They had eight or more Mm -hmm. in the box and over half of Derrick Henry's carries. And that was enough to slow them down and just hope that our guys up front, you know, against your offensive line, if you have to throw it or better, and we don't trust Josh Dobbs to make enough plays. And so the defense came up to do that. And Trevor, I know, missed a couple throws, but he also had a couple big time throws in that game and they could not run the ball at all. So again, yeah. in the aggregate, not a pretty game, but they did enough to win. Yeah. that And that Titans defense, I mean, that was, you know, Danico Autry coming back and that you got Paramount Simmons and friggin' Terry Autry was Tart. back. Fulton was back. Oh my I mean, God. They, they still were struggling at corner because yeah. they just don't have the depth there. But a lot of those guys were back. But as opposed to the Titans playing the Eagles failing at corner and they have these guys, A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith dunking on you. It's yes. like, you know, the Jags make their living through the middle with having Ingram and Christian Kirk and moving Zay Jones around a little bit. That's how they make their living. They And then that's why you saw probably a little bit more Marvin Jones. This game because it was like okay, well we have to. You're, if you're going to give it to us, well, we might as well take some of these throws. But um, yeah, I agree with what, what you're saying about what Trevor. He had a couple of the miss the missed touchdown throw. I mean, it was pretty bad. But I mean, Troy Aikman was like a heel commentator there, like in wrestling. Like oh my god, just burying it. every like any JV quarterback can make that throw. I was like Jesus, Troy. I think he said, you just don't see misses like that in the NFL very often. Which man, Troy. And Troy wow. was also he was. Just destroying Christian Fulton early in the game. Did yeah. you hear him? He's like, yeah. even when he was healthy, he just wasn't playing very well. And I was like, Jesus, Troy. <laughs> Holidays <laughs> did, are did over. Christian Fulton do something to you? It was I just, know, that's I felt what unnecessarily I was wondering too. hard. He, uh, uh, Trevor had a uh, uh, Lawrence had a throw, and it was it was a pretty damn good throw. And Joe Buck was like, man, that you know Joe Buck was like really praising the throw, and Troy was like, yeah, you know, you got to make those, and he kind of just like. <laughs> Just like was not selling it at all, but um, no, but it was, yeah, he had a couple of those, but other than that, like the strip sack uh, was, I mean, the Jags brought some cool pressures. I know the Titans offensive line protection and Josh Dobbs aren't really the top tier of in that regard, but it was kind of cool. Some creativity. Um, the one on the strip sack was great because they tricked the Titans protection mm-hmm. into sliding four of their guys instead of going five zero and blocking the five down. So the running back got caught. It's not I his was fault. really surprised on that. Even with the pre-snap yeah. look, it felt like that was, was not the very, right choice. 
No, it wasn't. They, <laughs> if you look at the play, they had five guys down, yeah. and then ultimately they dropped Josh Allen off the left end of the defense, and then they brought shit Jenkins off the right side. So yeah. you had four, because the left guard slid right, you had four guys blocking two on the right side, and the back was tied up with a linebacker who was blitzing, linebacker so just no one touched Jenkins. Yeah. And Dobbs had was totally okay. unaware that he was coming. And that's oh, yeah. it, and that's a game swing yeah. and play. That's it. That, that's I mean, they poked him, poked him. Dobbs had some nice pocket movement. That was kind of surprising. He, I thought he, he played just he played, fine. He played. He had like two really, really good throws that I was like, those are like legit starter throws. I mean, yeah, he played fine. He played winning football, I thought, other than, you know, the strip sack. And at the end, time runs out. That's why he's a bad The one pick post. was underthrown. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. he went, tried to make a play into tight coverage. The one on one. Yeah. He's been <laughs> there for two weeks. Yeah. I but thought that, that overall, the Titans played well enough given the they circumstances did. like they played hard they absolutely could have won that game they stuck absolutely. in it the whole time you know yeah. they didn't run the ball efficiently but i still think that's the right game plan give yes. the ball to derrick henry 30 times let's see what happens uh, the one guy on the titans i came away with just impressed again was okonkwo he's great man he is he's he so does everything good. for them yeah and he's really like the focal point of their passing game on last night and yep. I think he should be. Like when you watch him play, he's easily their most explosive playmaker. Yep. And more they're dialing up polished. plays for him. He's more polished than I ever thought he would be. Like this early in his career. Like he was just a great athlete. And but he is, I mean, blocking well, like him and Hooper are a fun little combo. But also, like you said, like he's explosive, but he's like his route running is a lot more polished than I ever thought it would be. I thought he would just be a kind of an Ingram in a little bit where he's straight line, but or or John U. Smith. But no, he's breaking guys off. It was it was pretty good. Um, also, some great th- moments as a blocker last night. He got called yeah. for holding in a huge moment. There was that thirty-six yard Henry run where he got dinged he for holding. Great but ones. Yeah. other than that, he had some nice moments as a but blocker too. The, the um and the the Jag- or the Titans were dicing him up early on in the, that fourth down, the two fourth down conversions early because the yeah. Jags were Jags were going to man coverage. I get it. You know, you're not really scared of the Titans receivers, and so they go man coverage. Titans just ran the same pick play twice on the same drive on fourth down. One to Hooper, one to Woods. Was that yeah. it? Yeah. Yep. There was that. Was it and it was just pick play a lot of trips with just different guys doing it but um no I, and the jaguars defensive line brought some real heat this is what we got excited about this group early in the year everybody had it, a moment yep arden key man he had seven pressures on 19 pass rush snaps that's that's a pretty pretty good slugging percentage right there no sacks but three qb hits and then like you said everybody else stepped up too. josh allen and javon walker had some nice moments as well Walker, I mean, sat down Jeff Swaim on that TFL late in the fourth quarter that ended up becoming a huge play. Corey mm-hmm. Peters had a TFL inside the 10. Yeah, Allen, Corey, Peters Corey Peters did it. Devon Hamilton had a <laughs> yeah. couple moments. Every single guy in the front seven against the run yep. had their moment last night. They all played extremely hard. They understood what was at stake. And that was yeah. the fun part about watching the Jags defense last night is that especially in the second half, you could kind of sense that urgency when they were trying to stop the run. Josh Allen, I mean, how juiced up he probably was. This is the first like meaningful game yeah. he's played as a pro. And he made two I mean, plays you, in the first drive. And you could <laughs> yeah. tell. That's why yeah. I mean his adrenaline was probably just <laughs> like and he took it out on the Titans. But but that matters, man. Like like you said, that's what the, these games were so cool, especially like the Packers Lions game, Seahawks Rams game a little bit, but and then this game, the Titans Jags, there's others too, but these guys know what's on the line and you could just see when it's like watching the world cup. Sorry. I, I'm rambling a little bit here when you watch these guys, cause a, a season could be a slog, but once they get into these big moments, these top tier athletes, it's so cool watching them when they're 130% competitive mode and they're yeah. just good. They're cranked 
up for all 60 minutes. And that's what's really fun, why these games are so tight and all these big swinging plays happen is because these guys are cranked up. They don't. They know the playoffs are about to come on. They don't. It's not week 12 and they're like, or week nine, they're like, oh my God, when's our bye week? I need a rest. They're like, oh, playoffs, we got to go. So I don't know. It's really cool to see these top, top athletes like really competing like this. And we saw a ton of it this weekend. They had three plays to Christian Kirk in this game that were some of their most explosive plays. The touchdown to him was beautiful. You pointed it out on Twitter. They lined up in 12 personnel with Chris Manhurts on the field, who's their primarily blocking tight end. And they went heavy play action to kind of lean into that tendency. And Kirk was in a condensed split as the number one receiver on the right side, and the Titans were in cover three. And the problem with that is when he's close to the formation, the cornerback there is an outside leverage. Yep. So when he sells it to the corner and breaks it back off the field, that's a Nothing really there. difficult assignment for Roger McCreary there. It's just a great call against the right defense in the right moment, and it leads to a 30-something yard touchdown. And then they had two plays with Kirk in the slot, and Trey Avery was on him at one point, and they got him for a pass interference. And I think they eventually, the Titans were like, we can't do this anymore. Like, we can't roll him out there anymore. Yeah. So they started going to their big nickel package with three t- safeties on the field. And then you have a Monty Hooker on Kirk in the slot, but that's a mismatch too. Exactly. So they hit him for that huge slot fade down the right sideline. That was a beautiful throw by Lawrence. So those are just some of those moments. I think the touchdown is just great scheme, but yeah. those plays to Kirk against Avery and against Hooker, I think that's just one of those moments where there's no Elijah Molden. This team has been searching for corners all year. The personnel started to show up a little bit. Yep. And I think the same thing happened at linebacker because they had a couple big completions over the middle of the field. There was that Kirk third and long early where he just stopped at the sticks. I don't know what number 50 was doing. Then there was the beautiful completion that Lawrence had where he moved 50 with his eyes and came back to Ingram over the middle of the field. So I think you're David Long not playing. And then again, some of the other personnel issues that you saw from Tennessee, whether it was a lack of pass rush off the edge, the lack of corner depth, you just start to see it really matter down the stretch in that game. All pro second team, David Long. The, spoilers. The, spoilers. Yeah. The, uh, um, I know, but that, that Chris Manhurts, uh, uh, tendency is such a fun one because, uh, I think wrote, or wrote about this a couple of weeks ago, like tight ends that play 200 or more snaps. There's, there were 73 of them at the time. So this was two weeks ago. He was 76, 72nd out of 73 in run pass ratio. So on the field is how infrequently they pass. He was 72nd out of 73rd. So there, that's a real run heavy tendency for him when he's out there. You but you get into that though, in, in a play, in a de facto playoff game, those yes. are where you can throw those haymaker counter punches and really make it count. J- just like us on these pre-shows guys, like it's, it's, we get these data, we got more data to work with now. So do the coaches. Th- that's what we look at the same kind of stuff. There's just more detailed, but that the quality control coaches look at and they say, Oh, when this guy's in this game and in the slot, they do this, this and this. We, like that's what they could start breaking down instead of three or four or five games. Now it's 17 games that they can look at this stuff. Um, but I, if you notice like too, the David Long injury, yes, being out, um, that's hurt him for a few weeks, but the, all the Titans linebackers were just pushing so deep on every pass play. They were like out of the frame. And that's why you saw Trevor having to check it down over and over and over, which was working for them. But the tight, like you said, Titans had a good game plan. They say, we're not letting up any explosive plays in the run game or down the field. You guys have to nickel and dime us throughout the game. And the, t- the Jags had a couple moments where they shot themselves in the foot. So it was, it was working uh, to the Titans favor, but you know, Jags came out in the end. Not can't say enough uh, about the job that Doug Peterson did and the staff that oh the, God, way, yeah. the job that that staff did this offseason. I mean, obviously, they went and spent, which we also heard a lot about on the Monday on the Saturday night broadcast about the amount of money they spent in free agency and the willingness yeah. to do it. It's like 
You spent a free agency because you've built your team the wrong way. I don't, right. I think we have to understand that. No, no, it's the pay. <laughs> anyway, it doesn't matter. They did bring in a lot of talent and they spent yes. a lot of money on talent, whether it's Kirk Ingram, Brandon Scherf. I mean, they remade this roster in free agency this offseason, but I think that what you got from the quarterback, what you got from the offense overall, I mean, how much more professional and put together yes. this team looked on that side of the ball this year compared to what they looked like last year. I mean, Christian Kirk and Evan Ingram uh, are sole, the sole driving forces there. No. Like, What's going on structurally was incredibly yes. important to the strides the Jags have made. They're getting used perfectly to their skill yes. sets with a quarterback playing exceptionally right now. So it's a, it's a pretty good combo for them to to kind of have a great breakout years and be worth the penny, uh, the penny that they get paid. Yeah, it's not like this is the team that was like 21st in offensive efficiency that stumbled into the playoffs. They were very good on offense throughout the season. Yes. And you know, they... They just they shot themselves in the foot in the red zone. That was their yeah, main the blemish, fumble, stupid they, turnovers. Two, yep. two plays that were four-point swings. Yep. The underthrow to... Kirk that should have been a touchdown, but great yep. play by Jeffrey Simmons, which that'll happen. The pressure. So yep. I, I think you saw for the most part why that team has been really good on offense throughout the Absolutely. season. Kudos to them. I mean, you go from having the number it's one pick to making the playoffs. And I think that for most of the season, watching them on offense, it felt like they were a borderline playoff team that kind of deserved yep. to be in and they ultimately do it. So congratulations to them completely deserved based on the season that they had. All right. Yes. Next one here. The Chicago bears. You have my attention. <laughs> Excited Number one pick. <laughs> Were you trying not to jinx it all day? I didn't hear I, a peep from you for hours. The fourth and twelve that Davis yeah. Mills hit. To, I didn't watch the game really because okay. I Sunday ticket was broken. Just a Viking funeral to Sunday ticket. I it made the joke earlier today. It died as it lived. <laughs> just not working. I, I truly appreciate my last weekend with Directv. Uh, the fact that my Sunday ticket didn't work. So I had two weird streams going on. I couldn't yeah. put all the games I wanted. So Texans Colts. I was watching through Twitter and Red Zone, and then eventually when the I can't remember which game it would have been that got out of hand, I threw it on. And I saw the the Cooks completion live and just started laughing my ass off. I was, I was like, fourth and 12, you got to no, be kidding me. And then they get to fourth and 20, after and he throws a Hail Mary after a sack, and it goes through. I think it was Rodney Thomas, your guy that you were talking about on yep. the All-Pro show that yep. was coming out I on was Wednesday. not naming him an All-Pro, by the way. It was no, it was, it was, it was one of those... <laughs> the kiss of death where it's like oh yeah Rodney Thomas he was a nice player for them this year he had some yep. moments and then yep. ball goes right through his hands Jordan oh, Akins yeah. catches a touchdown I did like freak out when they got the two point uh, that that I openly celebrated when they got the two point and there we go uh, I, Lovey Smith on his way out the door does the Bears a huge solid and gets them the number amazing. one pick in the draft amazing for the, and then there's uh, a video going around on twitter the circa the casino here has a survivor pool you know you pick a game each week and, yeah and for the winner and there i think there's three teams left or three guys left and one guy had the colts and, and the, the video is him on the fourth and 12 and the fourth and 20 and then the two-point game being completed and you can actually see his soul leaving his body as they're happening and it's, I, it's, I hate I'm not a big cringe humor guy but watching it, it's like oh man because we've been there but not maybe for two million dollars have we not been there that's un- <laughs> but it's that's a, unbelievable but that's it's the quite the video you can oh I, my god oh, that's terrible I, and you should hear him talking after the fourth and 20 he's like I thought he was going to get a sack there. He's like breaking down the play because he, he's a sh- he's shell shocked. He just like couldn't. He's like, didn't they have the sack? Like they couldn't bat that ball down. Like what what happened there? And it was just we've all been there. We've all been there, but maybe not that extreme. <laughs> so now the Bears have the number one pick. Well, yeah, I 
mixed feelings about that. But right. I think ultimately the tank was well orchestrated and they got where they <laughs> wanted to go. $130 million in cap space. They have the number one pick. Everyone today has been like, what do you want them to do with it? I was like, I don't know, guys. It's, it's yeah, January we'll 9th. Like, yeah. We got a long time between now and then. I said it coming into this week. I said it on the preview show. It's better to have the number one pick than it is to yes. not have the number one pick. It is. Even if it's as simple as getting the Texans to trade up to one, what yeah. you can get for that, I think that wanting two and 12 in order to do that might be a little ambitious. Oh, but this team needs players and picks. However you end up accumulating those, that's the most important thing. And I think having the number one pick in a draft where there are some quarterbacks is important. And even in previous years where those quarterbacks haven't always been high, high level prospects, we've seen this happen. The 2016 draft is the one that comes to mind Mm -hmm. where golf was the number one pick. You had a Rams team come up from the middle of the first round, trade away a ton to come get him. And I think you have some other teams even outside of Houston, whether it's the Colts the Raiders, the Panthers, you know, some of these teams that could potentially need quarterbacks, I think that number one pick should be open for business is yes. the way that this should be handled. And that is a good thing. I, I think so too. And I think with it's a it's a pretty good draft. And I, I think with the, the, a little bit top heavy, and I think with that, it gives you flexibility to be like, hey, we can move down to six and maybe get a really elite talent while getting all those picks. Not just, you know, there's a lot of teams too with a lot of draft capital to make some make some moves as well carolina has a bunch of extra picks obviously the texans have a bunch of extra picks so i I think that they should be accumulating as many as they possibly can absolutely that's the move i I think so too houston's at two the cardinals Mm -hmm. have the third overall pick yeah sneaky sneaky number three pick there from the cardinals and that colts loss potentially big for them gets them to the fourth overall pick and they're the other team that i just think has to come away from this draft with a quarterback based on where they're picking based on the merry-go-round they've been on the last few seasons with those veteran quarterbacks i I just think they have to make it happen and i say that because i'm just trying to drum up even more interest for them going up and getting the guy that they want and then the other teams you know in the top 10 seahawks are at five which we'll see what happens there the lions are at six lions miss the playoffs Talking about Jared Goff with his gloves on, it yeah. didn't look so great. I think that eventually they probably understand they need more out of that position, whether this is the time or the year to do that. Yeah. It might be based on where they're picking and the ammunition that they have. So I wouldn't rule them out but as a possible perfect, team coming up. Perfect position if they think if they like a guy that's considered more projecty, like an Anthony Richardson. They're like such a good position to like do that. Like that's, I, that's a great what call. I per, that's why I personally think at this point in time, like January eighth, got a lot of time to change my takes. But I think of all teams, that's like a great team to take a, a home run swing on one of these guys. We talk about this all the time. When you're a team that isn't bottoming out, but you don't have your quarterback of the future, your pathways to getting that guy are cut off. I think it's overstated yep. how important that always is, but this is their best shot if yes. they're going to continue to be competitive. You have a six, you have a sixth overall pick. You have the 18th overall pick. You're not going to be in this position again if you continue on the trajectory you're on in Detroit. So this right. might be their best shot, whatever that ends up looking like. Who knows? Raiders are at seven. They're another quarterback needy team. I don't know mm-hmm. if that's going to be a veteran. I don't know if they're going to want to draft somebody. Falcons are at eight. They're another team that there's going to be a lot of intrigue about. Panthers are at nine. Same sort of deal. And the yeah. Philadelphia Eagles, who have the number one seed in the NFC, have the 10th overall pick in the draft. Life is fair. <laughs> From Saints, too. And I the Titans that. are at 11. Yeah. So this the Titans went from being a team that I think everyone expected to be in the playoffs and picking in the 20s for most of the season 
to now being a team that couldn't play their third round rookie in a yep. de facto playoff game because they didn't think he was ready and have Ryan Tannehill on a $35 million cap hit next year where they can save half of that if they move on from him. So I think that they're now in striking distance to potentially go get a quarterback when they find a general manager and they figure out what the next mm-hmm. three or four steps looks like. So we're going to have a lot of time, though, to uh, to chat what? about the draft and about the draft <laughs> order and what teams may do there. So one more thing before we get to some teams that kind of disappointed a little bit today. The favorites, the, the contenders for the most part, you guys have my attention. You guys took care of business this weekend. <laughs> you did. That's what right? I wanted to see. Right? <laughs> right. Chiefs just beat up on the Raiders. I thought the Chiefs front had an amazing game. We did our all pro show. We already recorded it. It's running on Wednesday talking about Chris Jones. Our award show we're going to do a week from Wednesday. And I still think Nick Bosa is the defensive player of the year. But Chris Jones went out with a bang, my friend. He was absolutely dominant in that game. The the Chiefs defense has has, they've turned it on uh, for whatever like. Oh God, where was it? I I had a nice little stat with them on what to talk about, but their 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 defense since their bye week has really cranked out. Oh, since their bye week in week eight, they're fourth in success rate going in today, and twelfth uh, in EPA per play. So they're they're and they're tenth against the pass um, by DVOA. They're kind of they're cranking it up a little bit in playoff time. And that pass rush, Carl Office is whipping out the Ronaldo celebration out of nowhere. Um, didn't what, didn't know he. I know he's the Greek freak and everything. Didn't know he had that. And the, the wasn't expecting it from him. You know, sometimes you see some of these celebrations like, ah, oh, that that's not who I pictured doing the Ronaldo. But there we go. Um, but no, it's yeah. I, I think that the Kadarius Tony. They're really you know they're kind of dripping in some Kadarius Tony. Blake Bell's back out there. Yeah, I, I think they played with their food a few weeks uh, for the past few weeks. But then watching them against the Raiders, it was like, man, they're doing like freaking like. Merry-go-round formation. Yeah, while also or, playing with their food. And, uh, yeah, while playing with their ring food. Ring around the Rosie in the red zone. Must be fun. Must be fun just to win <laughs> that many games while being able to play football that way. <laughs> so, Chris Jones in this game, okay? 11 pressures on 37 pass rush snaps. Oh, two and a half sacks. Two TFLs. Six quarterback hits. Mm-hmm. Six quarterback hits. The guard, the right guard, can can block them all day. It's a tough day yeah, for Alex Bars. It tough was. Day. It was really tough. I, I was watching with my dad. He was. He felt bad for him too. There's <laughs> nothing was, you can do. No, I mean, this guy was bounced around. He was on the Bears yeah. last year. He, he's been a journeyman yep. kind of end of the roster guy. You're going against a legit defense player of the year candidate who <laughs> was playing with was, his hair on fire yesterday. Yeah, I know. Uh, he. It was one of those our discussion about him last week. I know we're spoiling our all pro show left and right here, but like we're talking about him, and, then, and as you kind of like break down his stats and you watch him, you're like, this guy's this guy's fucking awesome. Like he's unbelievable. He, he's he's we we said I'll use the term again. The closer. It's like when that when it's it's nut cut nut cut time. He he's gonna crank it up, and he does it over and over, especially when he has a mismatch like he did on Saturday. Four run stops in the game too. Just a ridiculous game from him Monster. on Saturday. All right, the Eagles take care of business. Not the yep. prettiest game in the world, but I think that Jalen Hurts is probably not back to 100%. No. Based on the quotes after the game, they kind of alluded to that a little bit. Now you get your bye week. It, mm-hmm. it was all about just getting the bye, getting to rest everybody, shut everybody down for a week. They get there. Uh, a fantastic season from Philadelphia. Another couple of ridiculous Devontae Smith plays. It, the hat he was wearing was unbelievable in the locker room so some great it. moments from him aj brown broke the eagles single game or single season receiving record today so <laughs> capping off a very good season for philadelphia yeah. Bengals take care of the ravens 
Yeah. Joe Mixon with the coin flip celebration, which I, I really appreciated. Pulled it, pulled it out of the sock. Literally, like he did the Joe Horn cell phone out of the sock. Like, or, oh no, did no, Joe Horn the, was under the under the. Thing. It was a, oh Sharpie. No Joe Sharpie. Joe, Joe Horn, Horn was a sh- oh no Tourette To was the Sharpie. Joe Horn. Joe Horn was Joe the cell Horn phone. Was, the cell phone, cell phone was in under the, the pad. In the pad, but To had yes. the, the Sharpie in the sock. Sharpie in the sock. Dang it. <laughs> so he's gonna get fined for that, but apparently Chad Johnson. <laughs> he's gonna, yes, he's gonna get fined for that. <laughs> apparently Chad Johnson offered to pay the fine, which Love I love. Very noble of him. I, I saw that Mixon paid a trainer a hundred or a hundred bucks for the quarter. Which uh, maybe isn't the greatest financial planning, but good for that trainer. And then I think uh, my favorite moment from that game uh, afterwards, they were uh, talking to Burrow about the championship window, and he oh, said man. the championship window is my <laughs> the length of my career. As, which, as he has the Mitch Hedberg sunglasses on, I, I just that guy is. <laughs> I, I can understand uh, the amount of confidence permeating that Bengals building every single day because it he has it and it is earned. He puts a, a box of cigars in his locker too. Just like he just has, he has them tallied off for each type of win. You know, like when people get married, they have a, a bottle of wine saved for it or champagne, or like for he has cigars with each each win. Okay, <laughs> division victory. Okay, I got this one. So each playoff win, he's gonna have a cigar for that. His pocket movement today was outstanding. Oh yeah, absolutely. Oh my god, yeah he he was he was he looked good today. Um. O-line got a little banged up, and it was like T. Higgins that's went the, down for a sec. Boy, that's got, a rough moment. Down. Losing Alex Kappa in this game, is, oh. that, that's a tough one. I just want these guys healthy, man. Like I know, because this AFC playoff slate especially, it's like there could be so many just awesome matchups. So I just want like these guys fully stocked. Like I, on, the, on the flip side, I want Lamar to be playing in the playoffs as well because I want these teams you know, fully operational. So the Chiefs are the Super Bowl favorite at plus 300. The Eagles are plus 600. The Bengals are plus 800. They have the fifth best odds. The Niners who beat up on the Cardinals today are plus 600. They're tied yeah. for the third best odds. They just continue to roll. Elijah Mitchell came back today. Five carries, 55 yards, two touchdowns. Nice little guy just to sprinkle back into your offense. <laughs> I know. I, all week I was getting like kind of notifications about it. Like, oh, Eli Mitchell practice everything. He looks like he's going to play this weekend. And it's like, oh, okay, that's cool. I'll probably give him like five, you know, five reps much less that, what he did today. Like, yeah, I, I think he even got Scott Hansen. He's like, oh, that's CMC. Oh, that's Eli Mitchell. Eli Mitchell scoring a touchdown too, because you just need more guys that can run four four flats <laughs> and take any any carry to the house. Like that's exactly what this offense needs. That CMC route, did you see it? The one, yeah. I, I, oh my god, they're running stutter. <laughs> so the route is it's a, it's called a stutter comeback. So about ten yards, you stutter like you're going to stop at that point because that's usually a breaking point for routes on the outside. So he stutters and then runs a deep comeback with a running back split to the number one spot. I, I've I, I have three guys, I think, in my in my life I've seen that. Like, you know, so that's pretty and they and they actually threw it to him. It wasn't like a fake, like just dummy route. It's like, uh, yeah. Yeah, that it's I love him in this offense because they're just it's just so cool to watch him in this juiced up offense right now. And they're gonna be a fun team here when yeah. we get to the playoffs. Vikings knock off the Bears, thankfully. They're the three seed in the <laughs> NFC. So congratulations <laughs> to the Minnesota Vikings. Oh, and then man. the last the last team I want to talk about, I want to talk about this a little bit more in depth. The Bills yeah. beat the Patriots. And after the week that the Bills had, that moment for them to return the opening kickoff for a touchdown. Amazing. And Josh Allen's re- reaction on the sideline, he was just overwhelmed. And he was so emotional afterwards when they asked him about it. For that stadium, for that team to have that moment. And, you know, DeMar Hamlin is watching. That was really special. Like that, that was just one of those things that I, I think everyone there will probably remember for a really, really long time. And this team had one practice, and mm-hmm. they played against the Patriots team that has really good defense, yep. uh, an offense that I actually thought played okay today. We'll talk about that in a second. And 
they took care of business. And yeah. I just think to be able to even come out and put together a coherent game based on everything that they have been through over the last week is pretty damn impressive. Yep. I think Josh Allen called it spiritual, which I yeah. thought was really, really cool. I, I really did. I like that how, how that phrase right there because it was. It felt just um, – it was an overwhelming experience. I, I've seen some Bills kind of like bloggers tweeting about it, how they just like didn't know what to do with their hands. Like they said, that was my worst high five I've ever given because they're just so overwhelmed in the stands trying to high five people. Like, cause that, that, was, that was cool. It was unbelievable. And I mean, for even for us, we got Naeem Hines to do it as well, which yeah. is just, it's a nice, like, hey, that's great Athletic as well. Football I, show all star having his yes, moment. Season one all star. Um, so I, I was, it was, that, that was a really special moment. And I mean, enough people have said it. it's like you couldn't script that. If you did that in a movie, people would laugh at you. But on top of it, like you said, it, that's just the spiritual side. But then the physical and mental side, they took care of business. Like you said, I mean, you nailed it. Just this Patriots team is not a joke. This defense is no. not a joke. They have good players and they're not going to let you run the ball easily on them. They're going to make it tough on you. And they, they played, they played well. They, they won out in the end. They made enough good plays. Obviously, having the two kick returns, but even on offense, they did enough cool things. If we do do want to do any schematic analysis of it, but, um, no, Alan they, they had like business. six moments in this game that were unbelievable. Unbe- I, yeah. Uh, like, which one do you want to talk about? Because, like, each one was like the one on the run to John Brown was an <laughs> was just ridiculous amazing. throw. Yep. He had a 60 yard from essentially the that. far hash to the pylon yep. throw to Stefan Diggs, which was with amazing. somebody in his face yep. that shouldn't have been possible. And then there were three or four others that he made outside of structure, just making yep. something happen. I mean, this was, is one of those games that I know the kick returns are going to take up a lot of oxygen and they yep. should, but. This was a reminder of just what kind of force of nature player yeah. he is in those moments. He he had a sail route uh, in the first quarter on third and two to Diggs. And I, I can't wait to watch an all 22 because he threw this thing so feathery soft. But when he throws a feathery soft, it's like anybody else throwing a line drive. So he's throwing touch <laughs> on it, but the thing's like lasering out there. But I can't wait to watch that one because you, you don't see Diggs completely on the on the screen. I want to see the timing of Josh Allen because it's just he's like when he's on like that and he's making those type of throws, not just the moon balls, but also the underneath stuff he's throwing with touch. It's like, oh, my God, this guy's unbelievable. They also did they I, I called it a Coach Klein and Waterboy play. They they faked that they faked. They did a, a fake mesh return. So there's mesh. Which is crossers, two crossers. <laughs> There's mesh return, which is when you fake the crossers and return back and you have a dig behind it. I, I've, in past places, I've called that the Red Sea or Moses play. But then they did the fake that they're going to return and then they kept continuing on their crossers. So I called it the, the Coach Klein play. It, it, that's what it was, is they faked that they faked. You know, where am I? I need to sit down. That's exactly what they did. So it's kind of, I like that. They had a couple other cool plays. They had, they mix up the personnel a bunch. They used a lot of heavy personnel, a lot of jumbo personnel. But uh, yeah, I, I like the game from the Bills. And of course, Josh Allen's amazing. What does he you say? Like he says, I, uh, oh, he uh, pretends to fake. He thinks he about pre- faking. He thinks about faking. Yeah. Oh, it's, that's uh, a great moment. I, it's a fantastic <laughs> Winkler, an all-time where, Winkler. Where, where am I? I need to sit down. <laughs> how i felt after both of those josh allen throws all right we're gonna take one more quick break and then talk about a couple teams that had a little bit of a letdown today we're still cool man we're still cool I'm i'm not mad i'm just disappointed all right so the only reason we're starting with the new england patriots here is because they could have won if they had gotten in i don't think it's 
overly disappointing that the Patriots lost to the Buffalo Bills, right. who are a very good football team, but they absolutely could have won this game. If yeah. they don't give up two kick returns in this thing, they're in it. Mm-hmm. They were giving them problems defensively. I thought that the Patriots offense didn't play that poorly today. It's going to say three interceptions on the stat sheet for Mac Jones. Mm-hmm. Two of those come when they're down two scores in the final minutes of the game. And I thought that their offense was less hapless than it's been for most of this season. So if they don't give up those two kick returns, they're 100% in this thing and potentially could have gotten into the playoffs. And ultimately, they fall short because their special teams doom them again, which again. it has done all season. Again, there's been so much sloppiness with their special teams. It's been like, it's just stunning. Like, it just real. you're not expect. like, you don't expect this from the Patriots. That's like kind of their bread and butter. Even if they're never like, sometimes they're not excellent at special teams. They're never, you know, sloppy. And the fact this is the worst kids- season of his tenure. Oh, yeah. So they, I looked, I looked it, looked it up. They are the, the previous last one. Then 2018, they finished 21st in special teams EPA. That was the last, that was the worst season under the, under Belichick. They are 26th this year. They were 29th in weighted special teams DVOA coming into this game. That's before yeah. they gave up two kick return touchdowns. So it is going to mm-hmm. be the worst season of the Belichick tenure on special teams. Over the last decade, the only team with a better special teams EPA combined than the Patriots is Baltimore. With John Harbaugh and with Justin Tucker, over the entirety of Belichick's tenure in New England, they are number one by a oh, wide sure. margin in total special teams DVOA. Consistently sure. in the top five, this was an aberration for them. It considerably and and that's the thing it's not just kick return so today it was kick return that their kick return was terrible they've had they had the moments uh against the raiders a few weeks ago and their their punt unit has sloppy moments where they're mishandling the snap cadence um a guy's not getting picked up in a protection um they also just had a lot of shoddy punting this entire year like their punter kind of was just all over the place it felt to me and this is more just anecdotally but that's what it just felt like he was very inconsistent as a punter which is again this is a team that will give up more spots on their roster than others for special team focused players. Every team has a couple that's like, okay, we don't ever want you to actually see the field on defense or offense, but Hey, you know, you could, you could be, you could be that dude on special teams for 20 something snaps. They, they have more of those than usual. So that's why it's really like just out of nowhere. So that's the thing. Their offense plays well today. Their defense plays their defense. It's a really good Bills offense. So, of course, it's going to be kind of a fight. But then their special teams do them. And that's what this Patriots year was. It was when their defense was carrying their games. Their offense couldn't, you know, walk and chew gum at the exact same time. But, again, I thought today, I got to look uh, maybe like air yards for Mac Jones on today. But it did feel like they had more intermediate attacks against this Bill def- it did, defense. It did feel that way. It's just a little more just – and that's – I think it's conducive to Mac Jones' skill set. Uh, some more overthrows off the play action and everything as well as some of the dunk balls. But that's the thing is dunk – 50-50 balls are fine to have in your offense. It's just making your whole offense out of them is what the issue is. And I think this game was a lot more they attacked over the middle of the field and it, it looked a lot better. The one – the throw – the interception on the throw to Aguilar, it looks ugly. I understand making that play. So yeah. one-on-one opportunity, you're trying to give your guy a chance. Yep. The touchdown to His Parker touchdown. later in the game is on a similar moment. Yep, It's easier to give Devontae Parker that opportunity right. than it is to give it to Nelson Aguilar. But I understand yeah. trying to take that shot. He, and on the play, it's a it's a four-strong concept. And he went, I'm taking my one-on-one. I'm going against I'm, – I'm taking my – he was giving this guy his chance. It's not a bad answer. It's But like you said, you want maybe like, you know – 
Jamar Chase or T. Higgins or uh, Mike Williams maybe as that one-on-one guy. Aguilar did, did have but, one of those this year, though. Yes. He had one, and it was one of those, I didn't know he knew how to do that <laughs> moments. Do that. So there is some history of him doing that this season. But the Parker one, he's done it multiple times, yes. including the dunk touchdown today. Which was I am fascinated by what they are going to do this offseason. <laughs> yeah. They have $55 million in cap space. Yep, They can free up more. Some mm-hmm. of the contracts and just some of the construction of this team. You know, John U. Smith has a $17 million cap hit next year. I did not. Did you I remember John U. Smith was on this team? Barely. Yeah, I, he I had did, 245 receiving snaps. yards this year. Probably had like 40 snaps. He probably makes a million dollar a snap. <laughs> Him <laughs> and Hunter like. Henry make $32 million combined next season. Which so we'll see what they do with that. If they make him a post-June first cut, they can save like $5 million against the cap. Yeah. So I assume they'll do some have some decisions to make there. But then their tackle spot, yep. Isaiah Wynn's hitting free Isaiah agency. Wynn, yep. You know, Trent Brown will see if they keep him. I think the offensive line will need some retooling. Jacoby Myers is hitting free agency. I think today was a reminder of the fact that Jacoby Myers is a really good player. Yeah. How about that uh, a third or fourth and short route when they, the little whipper out they ran to him? You know, he's going to get paid this offseason. He is going to be a really useful player for somebody. Yes. A very good and Whether that's the somebody. Patriots or somebody else, they have the money to pay him. Yeah. And the other guy on offense that I think you have to come away with impressed today, Ramondre Stevenson's a really good player. He really is. He's really good. I liked him going into the draft, but he's but he's a lot more explosive than I thought. I, I consider him a designated hitter, which means like passing downs and third downs and just like that's that he makes his living on like short yardage and third passing downs because he was such a good pass protector in college. But he has so much more juice than I ever ever considered with him. Yeah, agreed. Great, great player. And but Damian Harris is going to be a free agent as well this year. Damian so Harris is a, a free agent. The yeah. interior of their offensive line is under contract. Andrews, both guards. You know, Cole they have more guys under contract than I thought. Uh, on when it was had a really nice season, so yep. they have some bones on offense. And mm-hmm. I think that Mac Jones in the right circumstances can be like a solid NFL quarterback. We saw him do it last year. So what they do with their play calling spot and how they ultimately handle that, I think has to be the biggest question combined with how they spend a little bit of that money that they have with some of the holes on offense. The defense was really good this season. Really? And they have a couple guys hitting free agency. You know, uh, Jonathan Jones is a free agent. That's the big one. A A couple other guys, but they've done such a great job of kind of refilling the coffers at corner consistently. I mean, to do it this year with Jack Jones and you know Marcus mm-hmm. Jones coming on a little bit later in the year, I trust them to figure that out. And they have yeah. some really nice, interesting pieces on that side of the ball. So I really do think if they figure out the play calling thing and they can get maybe a real difference maker you know, on offense somewhere along the line with either that cap space or in the draft, I do think that they can be an interesting, relevant, competitive team next season. I really do. They were one this year after botching all of those decisions. Dude, I'm I'm right there with you. I this whole year I've been just really interested in this defense because they tweaked they they turned the knobs differently on what they use coverage wise and even front wise a little bit. And they had different body types than they usually do. Like as Josh Uche is so different than every Patriots pass rusher has ever existed. So it's really interesting to see kind of some modern modernness with this defense, uh, uh, along with the typical Belichick elements, you know, like a plugging linebackers and stuff. I, but I, I agree. I think it's just this offense figuring out the play caller more than anything and how to help out this quarterback is the number one answer. They can't do tryouts like they did all this last offseason. Who knows what's happening with Bill O'Brien and all that? Like, you know, his name's probably, you know, on, on speed dial right now for them. Um, so I, I just think that that's what they have to figure out more than anything, more than personnel, because they have avenues to, 
help themselves out. They got their picks yeah. and everything. So, yeah, I agree with you. I think this is a very, very interesting team. I became more of a Mac Jones fan this year, as even as negative as his year was, as far as, you know, some of the cheap shot plays he's had and some of the, you know, whininess, and, but also just like maybe even the statistically didn't have a great year. Watching him kind of like deal with all of it and try to find good answers in this offense actually was like, I think he knows the right things. Like you said, I think this is a very workable quarterback. Um, and I think he's, it's closer than further away than I think people are considering right now. Last guy to mention, I don't believe Devin McCourty is under contract after this season. I think he's that like this is 35. Uh, yes. Yeah, so I think that uh, all the other remaining years on his deal voided, he's 35. So yeah. this could be the last year for him. They'd have to fill that spot. He had a good he year too. He had some big moments today. He had a pick today. He had a full recovery today. So that's just one other guy. If we're trying to project what the defense yeah. might look like moving forward, that might not be there next season. So the Patriots losing that game obviously allows the Dolphins to make the playoffs. And I don't really know what there is to say about this yeah. game. I mean, it was gross. It was gross. I can't believe I had to rewatch it. <laughs> just it's gross whenever you just see okay joe flacco's it's flacco come on we are, we all probably have a, have the same mental image of joe flacco but then seeing him wearing number 19 i know this is for the jets but that's already that's the grossness uh, of this game is seeing quarterbacks wearing 19 and then right then and there that's that's what type of game that you're starting with it's just right there as soon as you put this game on and seeing that joe flacco was the starting quarterback for the jets today i looked it up because i was curious about sean watson's stats of the, every quarterback in the NFL who has at least 150 attempts this season, there are 39 okay. of them. Joe Flacco is dead last in EPA per dropback. Deshaun Watson yeah. is 38th of those 39. But Joe Flacco is dead last. Watson is right between Zach Wilson and Joe Flacco. So mm. the Jets' two most used quarterbacks, or two guys that got a lot of run for them, were 38th, or excuse me, 37th and 39th of 39 quarterbacks. So that was the state of the Jets' passing game for a good chunk of this year. The Jets oh. today had 20 carries for 38 yards. <laughs> The run game is brutal. 15% success rate. The league average is about 40 this year. So it just gives you some context there. Uh, their starting tackles in this game were Cedric Abui at right tackle and Mike Rummers at left tackle, which it's 2022. Right. Yeah. So it's just it's never what you want. <laughs> it, it, that's just the state of their offense. By that's the it. end of the season, yeah. that was the state of their offense. And the Garrett Wilson had nice moments today but yep. that's kind of where we were like garrett wilson bail me out every once in a while is kind of where the jets had arrived on offense so yeah. i don't know what the jets do this offseason i don't know which route they take a quarterback yep. robert Sala after this game was not very committal about michael fleur coming back some yep. a reporter asked him directly and he was not willing to say that that's going to happen so kind of feels like all options and avenues might be on the table for the jets Yep, uh, that's what it feels like. Like quarterback, especially. They, I mean, they could go so many different paths, and I, I could totally understand why they do so. And I think they they have a workable cap situation. I think you know they, they can make some cuts and everything. Their defense again is a strength. That's when you watch this team, it's like, of course it is. And you watch this offense, and it's just like the the Dolphins' defense is fine, but it's not a defense or a defense that you should look like this on offense. Even with starting Joe Flacco at quarterback, I did like that they knew where their bread was buttered with Garrett Wilson. Um, <laughs> Garrett Wilson, according to Next Gen Stats, had the fourth highest target rate in the game since 2016. <laughs> so they, they were just like, and I think they were like, hey, maybe this get this guy offensive rookie of the year, make us look a little better at least. You know, so like, hey, let's get let's get him all that, but. Um, yeah, I don't know what this Jets, this Jets team, again, we, we've touched on it a few times, usually in a Zach Wilson quarterback light, 
but that's going to kind of lead what the answers have to be. They have to figure out that quarterback situation first. Otherwise, they're just going to go through another year like this with Joe Flacco and Mike White or insert quarterback here with a good defense and another frustrating year. They have to figure it out. They have the financial flexibility, like you alluded to, to go get somebody, whether it's Jimmy Garoppolo, whether it's Derek Carr. I have no idea what they want to do. I have no idea what they think is the best plan for them, but there are a lot of options on the table with the resources that the Jets have. Talking about figuring out quarterback situations, the Dolphins are going to have to figure out theirs because they are in the playoffs Mm -hmm. and they made enough plays today. You know, they had a one shot to Durham Smythe, one shot to Mike Kosicki. They had a really nice drive running the ball in the third quarter, coming out their first drive of the third quarter. They had a fourth and five pitch to Jeff Wilson that got them into field goal range to kick a field goal. I mean, if Quincy Williams doesn't get a borderline horse collar call in this game in the fourth quarter, the Dolphins might not win, but they do. So now it becomes a question of, are we going to see this version of the Dolphins against the Bills? Or are we going to see the version of the Dolphins that pushed the Bills to the limit a couple weeks ago in Buffalo with Tua at quarterback? And understandably, Mike McDaniel was very noncommittal about what that was going to look like because he has to be. He has no idea what's going to happen. Obviously, everything that's happened with Tua this season, I think there's probably some real hesitance to play him at all, let alone before he's completely ready. So that's going to be the huge question. And I have to assume with the line in that game being, I think it was 10 uh, as it stands right now, they're probably assuming that Tua is not going to play. And that's going to be a tough road for Miami if they're starting Skylar Thompson again. Right. Oh, man. And especially against that Jets defense, he they only got sacked once but and, and no interceptions, but it was like uh, six TFLs, nine QB hits, four passes deflected. It was <laughs> it was tough sledding. The the tweak, I mean, Mike McDaniel's not uh, – he, he knows what Skylar Thompson is. I, I thought it was interesting. They were under center 19 times today. 18 of them were runs. <laughs> designed runs <laughs> they didn't even do play actions or anything off of it. they did one drop back off of it. i wasn't sure if it was a play action but it is kind of funny watching what for this whole season's been this kind of spready some condensed formation but shotgun heavy pistol heavy motion heavy you know still 21 personnel and then today it was eye formation eye formation uh power formation like king king over like i thought that was kind of like just a funny bit that's what they've linked they towards. ran the ball well they did and that's they been this ran past the ball month. well I, I keep using the phrase church and state, but once they, the, that Bills game, the second half of the Chargers game, ever since then, they've been adding this element to their offense of straight running the ball, which is like, oh yeah, Mike McDaniel's a Kyle Shanahan guy. So it's like, they have that. And they, I mean, every time they've had to do it, they've done it like uh, last this last month. So I know that's why if they can get to a pack and get some of that RPO-ness to their offense again, it's like, you know, along with the, the just designed runs, it's like, okay, they can at least be interesting as opposed to what it was today. Obviously, it didn't end up mattering because the Dolphins won, but the Steelers won, and the Steelers yeah. would have been in the playoffs, and the Steelers, yeah. again, had a winning record. Mike Tomlin still has never had a losing record. Yeah. <laughs> what I call it the other day, the post. Yeah. I mean, that, yeah. that's what it was, and it's that's West, what it was. And it's West Side Story. It was- <laughs> whatever the second half of the Brown season on offense was uh, – not the type of work no. we usually see from Steven Spielberg. I said it earlier. Deshaun Watson was second to last in the NFL among quarterbacks with 150 dropbacks and EPA per dropback. I get a lot of people responded when I tweeted this out earlier. He didn't play for two years and mm-hmm. all that. Sure. Their offense was one of the worst passing offenses in the league 
over the second half of the season. He made a million dollars in base salary this year. I believe he has a $50 million cap hit next year. Yes. So based on everything that the Browns traded for him and based on what they're going to pay him over the next few years, in order to recoup any value on that deal, they need him to be one of the best players in the league full stop. So there's a long way to go before he is one of the best players in the league based on the way that he played over the second half of the season. Jacoby Brissett played more like what Deshaun Watson's contract is than what Deshaun Watson. Yeah. Jacoby Brissett was 10th in EPA. I was was going to say, yeah, he was top. Okay. I was going to say top 12. So 10th. And that's he. They were winning games with him, and you don't get that type of two hundred million plus fully guaranteed deal to knock off some rust. You know, yes, you're going. There's going to be some rust, like you say, playing for two years. But it's like, hey, you get a lot of money to not have that rust. <laughs> you know, you're the quarterback. You're not the right guard. You know, you're not the D end. You're the quarterback. You have to like hit the ground running. So I, that's how he's played. I mean, that first game back against the Texans, he missed about. Half dozen throws. I know that was his first game back, but it was like, it was ugly, ugly. And it was like, you know, Jacoby could do this. And uh, that's happened week in, week out. He has a couple flash throws, but there's just a lot of inconsistencies to his game. But they can't have that from going on forward because, like you said, that contract is really going to start ramping up really soon. Based on the way that it was structured, this was the year where it was going to be cheap for them against the cap. His cap hit next year is $55 million. So. It's knocking off rust, getting back into the flow, whatever it ends up being. This is the year where it was going to be cheap, and now it is going to be very, very expensive. So we'll see what happens with that trade. But so far, it was not a good start. All right. One more here. The number five seeds in in each conference. (laughs) Yes. I'm a little disappointed in both of you for for some different reasons. I would love an explanation on what the Chargers were doing in this game. So Mike Williams plays for most of the game, hurts his back, is carted off the field. Our Daniel Popper at the Athletics said he had to be helped to the team bus because he couldn't do it himself. Jeremy Fowler from ESPN reported that it's a minor injury, that he'll be fine. Still, a a guy that's dealt with back back issues, that's been hurt this entire season. You've seen what your offense is without him. It's a terrible way to get to the playoffs. Joey Bosa left the game early. Yep. was limped off the field. Justin Herbert was taking shots. Oh and God. I know that when they had to declare their inactives, the five seed was still on the table, but it still feels like there was a better solution to this than the one that they landed on. I know. I, I thought you would treat the game almost like a first or second preseason game of the old Which schedule. their dads don't play. <laughs> right. But <laughs> funny. Yeah, actually. But a traditional team that, you know, hey, run them out through the first quarter. You know, let them get going. I understand maybe get, keeping the guys going, you know, especially they're working back from injury. We need some reps and everything. But I didn't make it didn't make sense to me. Like, even at the end. Okay. So this game, okay, we're going to be competitive. We're going to play our starters. You know, we're going to let our starting quarterback take up more shit, shots to the ribs, even though we got brutalized for that early in the year. At the end of the game, they don't take the timeouts and they could see the game when they could burn, you know, they could take timeouts to try and get the ball back. I think this was a one score game. So it was like, what was your attitude going into this game? We're winning it hell or high water and we're competing. Like, I, di- I didn't understand it at all. This team, this Chargers team dances with the injury devil every single year. Why, why are you tempting fate like that? Like, to with a, a roster that we know, everybody knows is injury riddled. That's why these guys, that's why the Chargers are so hot and cold. Why tempt it like that? It just seemed like unnecessarily risky. He was asked about it afterwards. Like, listen, you can only dress 48 guys. And yeah, you know, but it, there's it, ways it, to do it. 
<laughs> it, it just feels like an unnecessary risk based yeah. on everything that they've dealt with all season. And then the other five seed in the NFC, the Cowboys <laughs> got destroyed today by Washington. Dak had, I believe, Good by rough. EPA per drop back, the fourth worst game of his career. <laughs> it looked like it. And I understand that they really had nothing to gain, and yeah. that probably affects it to some degree. But I don't know how you can watch the way that they played today. They couldn't run the ball. They averaged negative .33 yards before contact on their runs today. Man. Man. This, they're going through like an O-line shuffling right now. because That's you know, part of the problem. Jason, Jason Peters and stuff, but it's not the – <laughs> Not exactly where you want to be feeling some question marks as you're uh, <laughs> at this point in the season. You wanted to see some positivity coming from those reshuffled offensive line going to this. They played like zombies today. Uh, I mean, they really did. Like that's uh, it, it, like just had bad vibes throughout the whole game. They picked it up like going into the half. I think it was they had a touchdown, and it was like they they cranked it up a little bit, and but it just they just weren't even there. It felt like they were so checked out in this game. The offensive line is going through a shuffle. I believe Tyler Biotis, again, did not play today. So they He's had, a high ankle. I thought it was a normal ankle. Yeah. yeah that's, so we'll see if he's rough. back because it that causes the shuffling because they have a different center. And because they moved their left guard to <laughs> yeah. center, they moved Tyler Smith to left guard. And then Jason yes. Peters played left tackle for them today. So you yep. have three new guys yep. in new spots because your 18. one center gets hurt. <laughs> that And I think that is the biggest concern. But they're right. also banged up on defense. And you know they they're still struggling to find that other cornerback spot. Yep. I, I'm a little bit worried. I know that they didn't have anything to gain because the Eagles won today, but based on the way that they played, based on the way that they've looked, and some of those underlying issues, I'm concerned. You know they are yeah. three point favorites against the Bucks. I, I do not think the Bucks are a good team, but the way that the Cowboys have played recently, I think, is a little bit cause for worry. They they've managed to have kind of some lulls in some of their games, like the giant the Giants Thanksgiving game, and then they crank it back up. But that's the thing; they were fairly healthy then, and now it's a totally different. It's like a revamped team right now that we're hitting in January. Last year they throttled the Eagles in Week 18. Remember that was like 51 something. It was like 51 26, and then they laid an egg to the 49ers in the next <laughs> the next round and the, the wild card round. So maybe they're trying to like reverse jinx it like that. They played so crap that they have to crank up their practices this week. That's my only theory as well. But no, it wasn't. They just had weird vibes today, and it's not when you want to have weird vibes. <laughs> we have a lot of time to talk about that game, yes. what it's going to look like against the Bucks. Yeah. We're going to do a two part divisional round excuse me two-part wild card preview later this week we're gonna have an afc show we're gonna have an nfc show both of those will be coming your way in the normal timing of our preview shows we're gonna have two instead of one so that's very exciting we're yeah. gonna have a saturday and sunday recap show live next oh, weekend yeah. so be on the lookout for that in the short term i know we really didn't talk about lovey smith getting fired by the texans tonight we're gonna do that tomorrow with Mike Sando, we're going to talk about Black Monday, some of the coaching news that rolls out over the course of the day tomorrow. So please come check that out. That should be available as a podcast tomorrow evening overnight. So that'll be available to you. And then we're going to talk about some coaching candidates on Tuesday. Me and Connor Orr from Sports Illustrated, who does a fantastic job keeping tabs on that. He is he writes about it consistently throughout the year. Some of the candidates, why they're you know, sought after guys. So we're going to talk about that with him on Tuesday. And then we have a two part all pro episode with me and you coming out yeah. on Wednesday, offense and defense. So we're going to have like seven pods coming to you yeah. guys this week. So we're making up for lost time a little bit last week. So please be on the lookout for all of that. 
In the meantime, please subscribe to our YouTube channel. You can do that in the description of this podcast. If you're watching this, give us a like. Give us a subscription. If you are not subscribed to it and you're here in the live stream right now, please subscribe to The Athletic. Theathletic.com slash football show is where you can do that. We'll be back tomorrow with Sando talking about some of the coaching moves. Until then, I appreciate you guys listening. We'll talk to you soon. This was The Athletic Football Show.